to uh, think about on your own. It's like when you first heard the gospel preached to you, when was the first time you heard um, Jesus about the cross and about all that he did for you? So let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And I want us to just jump right in. Uh, and we're going to be speaking about the good news today. We're going to be speaking about the good news every Sunday. Amen? Amen. That's kind of what I need to do, right? Uh, speak about the good news. That's, uh, sometimes I can forget. We have a lot of other themes. But in it all, we need to speak about the gospel, the good news. And uh, because it's something we can forget. And it's something that we can forget to speak about. Um, and today we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And uh, I don't know if you guys have read about Zacchaeus. He's an interesting guy. He's a really cool guy. He's a, he's a, he's a fun guy. But before we jump into this, I want to talk a little bit about, again, what the gospel means. And what that word means in Greek um, is that it means gospel carrier. That's, that's another word for what it says. It means good news. And it also means someone who carries the good news, not just someone who has the good news. And in some ways, you can't have the good news without a person. You can't have the good news without someone speaking it. You know, because good news that's not heard is no news at all. It just stays as is. And so without the human being, there is no gospel. Without the human speaking, there is no gospel. And... What happened in the, uh, the uh, Greek times is how this word came about was in the Greek, it meant good news, but it also was used primarily for a Greek king who'd win a battle. He'd win a battle, he'd conquer that kingdom, and then he'd ask a gospel carrier to tell the whole nation that they won the battle, that the king won the battle, and that now we can live free. Amen. That, that, that God was in control and essentially that he's won again the battle. He beat Jesus, amen. He beat death, amen. You know, he, he was able to beat Satan. Jesus was able to beat Satan on the cross and then be able to essentially beat death as well. And that was announced in the gospel. Um, and that the people would live accordingly. The people were expected to believe this good news. And then live accordingly to that good news. And live as free men and women. Amen? Amen. Um, and so it's an announcement. The good news is an announcement of victory. Amen? That's always cool to think about. That we're, we're not just speaking about, hey, this will save you. We're talking about victory. And when you're talking about victory, you know, whether it be the Pats winning the Super Bowl or Ohio State in, in uh, Tim you know, Conley's situation. <laughs> You know, that's good news, and we're talking about it. And the next day on Monday after Super Bowl Sunday, we win. We're talking about it. And that last time we lost, we talked about it too. But it was much better Monday when we won. Interesting, two different Mondays. How they felt so different. Uh, Francis Assisi, which has got a great last name, by the way. He said, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Okay, that's what he said. And, and that's a great thing to say, amen. I mean, we need to be lights. We need to be lights in our life. We need to carry the gospel through our life. And, and if we heard the gospel, of course, we're going we're gonna to preach the gospel with our lives. Amen? amen? But 
I believe Francis was off because you can't preach without words. And you can't hear without someone telling you. And no one becomes a believer in Jesus without hearing the good news. Maybe both of us are right. It's like saying, hey, um, I want your number. If necessary, use digits. <laughs> you know, I, wanna, I want your phone number. If necessary, use digits. And what I want to put to you is, not everyone knows this gospel. And even more, people grow up in church and never hear the gospel. Do you realize that? Because when we had people up, three people shared their lives. And they spoke about when they first heard the gospels, when their nose was in the Bible. And they were hearing, they were reading the cross. They were reading about Jesus. They were hearing the good news in the word of God. Not everyone knows the good news. I know I didn't know the good news. And just because people are around the good news, just because people sort of hear the good news, that's different from hearing it. Maybe even someone preaches it, but you only hear it first when you hear it first. Yeah. And your heart is engaged with it. Right. And so our, our role as disciples is first to feel it ourselves, to remember the gospel in our life. The second is to use words to speak it. I think sometimes we think people are just going to figure out the gospel somehow, some way, the most amazing message on earth through kind of osmosis. I'll rub off them on, in class. I'll rub off them on, 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 in the workplace. You know, they might know you go to church. They might, you might invite them to church, but they've not heard the gospel yet. And the first step is to get them to church. Amen. Amen. The second step is to get them to hear the gospel message. And for us, as disciples, think about this. What if you never heard the gospel? What would that mean? You know, I was talking to, uh, we went on a date, my wife and I, last night, which was really awesome. Thank Joshua Petruzzi, he babysat. A whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. That's how I felt, you know what I mean? Like, oh my goodness, who's babysitting? No one is, except Josh, my son. He did a great job. He called, he said, man, he's acting up. He's not going to sleep. He's, yeah, I said, get him on the phone, son. You better listen to Josh, he's the boss. But we went on a date. We went on a date with a... Um, uh, uh, we went on a date, we, we were able to sit down, and we're actually waiting for our table, and we, we sat with this couple that they, they were, um, they do neurology online, okay? So basically, they see people online, and essentially, this neurologist sees people all over the country, and he, he just does consults without being with them physically, pretty cool. And so he, he said that, you know, I can work anywhere I want, and the place I wanted to move to was Portland, Maine. That makes you feel encouraged, you know what I mean? And, and then he also talked about, you know, what, what brought you here? This is what brought us here. And, of course, we opened up. We're, we're starting a church. We started a church eight years ago. And it got to me, I got to share kind of our story as a church with them. And it was so cool to think about next Week, we're going to celebrate the 8th anniversary. Amen. And I invited them out. And you could tell they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. And I understood that this, this, this couple 
had never heard the gospel. Because if they heard the gospel, their eyes would have lit up. And it didn't. And it made me sad that this neurologist, who's got so much expertise in his field, he doesn't even need to be at the appointment. He doesn't even need to see you physically. All he needs to do is just get your symptoms. He's like, you know, uh, a, a genius when it comes to the brain. But ignorant when it comes to the gospel. And it made me think, man, I have to make sure people hear the gospel. What is the gospel? It's a good news announcement. I want to encourage us. Next week we have a eighth anniversary service. This is an amazing opportunity for people to hear the gospel. The gospel is going to be preached. I want to encourage you to pull out all the stops. Invite your dog. Invite your family members. Invite your um. You know, maybe that's not allowed to bring good dogs here. Amen. But but if it's an emotional support dog, amen. You know, bring everyone possible. Bring your friends. You know, preach the word to all creation. Amen. amen. Preach the gospel. Make a list of friends you want to invite. It's going to be a powerful time. We're going to celebrate the gospel being released. Amen. In this city. Amen. Next Next week. And so for me, I just want to pull out all the stops. And this message, I think this message gets me most fired up about pulling out all the stops for Jesus. We're going to look at Zacchaeus. This wee little stingy man. This sinner who is super short. But, you know, powerful things can happen in short people. Amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Luke 19. Let's go there. We're going to hear about this man Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Luke 19. We're just going to read 10 verses today. Um, So let's jump in. Now, back then, short, okay, was relative. So you think you're short. Amen. Ezra might be like, oh, man, I'm short. But the truth is, he was tall back then. You know, compared to the people uh, that were around, you know, he was tall back then. He was medium back then. He was definitely like above average back then. So when you're talking about Zacchaeus being short, that says something here. Okay, we're saying, we're saying, you know, really short. Luke 10, uh, uh, Luke 19, verse, verse, nine, uh, verse 1 through 10 is an awesome passage. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now think about that for a second. You can't see over the crowd. Isn't that the worst? You're like, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, look, Lord, here I am now. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Amen. Amen. This message is a powerful message. 
It's called changed without a command. And if you can think about this, Zacchaeus was never commanded by Jesus to do anything. In many ways, because of Jesus' love for him, because of Jesus' acceptance of him, it moved him so much to go beyond the command and do something so incredible. He stood up in a giddy way and was like, look, Lord, here am I. I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor and I'm going to pay back four times the amount. This was not even close to what the law required. He went above the law. Why? Why, church? Why could this stingy man, how did this stingy man, this selfish sellout of a Jew, go from being this selfish, stingy guy, money hungry, stabber of the back, become the most generous person in the whole neighborhood? How did this chief tax collector basically quit his job on the spot? And not just quit his job on the spot, but pay everyone back, essentially emptying all his assets with one encounter with Jesus. How was this man changed without a command? That's what we're going to talk about today. And through it, I hope, as you understand that, you relate it to yourself. And you're moved like this man Zacchaeus was. Amen? Amen. First point, Jesus, guest of sinners. Isn't that encouraging, first of all, that Jesus ate with sinners? Amen. That Jesus spent time with the sinners, the people that were known for sin. Not the secret sinners, the people known for sin. He hung out with those people. That encourages me greatly. Amen. You know, can I get an audience with Jesus? You can always have an audience with Jesus. No matter where you're at. So let's talk about this man Zacchaeus. Let's just say for, for just this sake, he's definitely not a good man. Okay, why? Well, because he was a chief tax collector. You know, you, he went up in the ranks. He was a chief tax collector and he was very wealthy. He was also in a town of Jericho, which was one of the most wealthy places in uh, Jerusalem, in, in that area, in Palestine. He was super, super, uber rich. And how was he getting rich? Well, the Romans would, would, they wanted their taxes, amen? Just like America wants their taxes. And they wanted their taxes, and, and, but they didn't know how to get it. So what they would do is, you know, every nation had their own ways of doing business. And they, they, a Roman that would come in and try to collect taxes, it, he, 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 a lot flew under the radar, you know what I'm saying? A lot of black market transactions happened. And so what they did is they hired someone from that land to be the tax collector. And they armed that man or that woman, probably a man back then, with soldiers. And they basically said, listen, all we want is this much drachmas, okay? Whatever you take off the top, we're not going to care. You know, that's your fee. Go ahead and do it. And they would turn a blind eye. And so there was no way of knowing what the tax was going to be. There was no standard. It was just, this is the money. If you want to collect double that amount, that's up to you. And so you can imagine the tax collectors. First of all, being sellouts to the nation. Going, listen, I'm going to collect taxes from you. And if you don't, I'm going to make you slaves. I'm going to take your properties. I'm going to take you to prison. You're, you're going to be in trouble. Furthermore, even though you owe this much drachmas, I'm going to take maybe uh, half of that 
and, and add it. And I'm going to take it to be mine. There's nothing you can do about it. Imagine someone coming to your home saying, Hey, Charles, how you doing? You owe the Roman Caesar, right? The, the Lord of our nation, this much money. You owe $10,000. And Charlie's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I thought I just owed 5000 You owe 10000 See, me and my people back here, these army, these, 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 these soldiers, they agree with me too. So pay up now. Or we're going to take your family as slaves. Imagine. Now, how would that go with Charles? That would be interesting. <laughs> so again, how would Charles be feeling about that tax collector? Not fired up. Oh, not fired up about him. And if he was a little man, how would he also feel about him? There's nothing worse than a little man threatening you with all these soldiers around you. Just to add to the annoyance. You know, he's like, pay me my money. You know, you're like, man, what's this Oompa Loop doing here trying to take my money? You know, and again, this is what's going on. Now, usually what you can see is these people were the loathsome, worst of the worst people. The Jewish uh, Mishnah said that you could lie to a, you were free to lie to a tax collector because lying to an animal is not sin. Think about that. They weren't even, they weren't even Gentiles. They weren't even people. They were animals. And I thought to myself, I think lying to Lulu is still wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I don't know what they were thinking about, you know? And they thought about things a little too much. You know, a lie is a lie. Amen. But essentially, <laughs> these guys were hated. You know, if a short person is trying to get to the front of the line to see, you usually let him in. You know what I mean? He's not going to impede your you know, line of sight. But this dude was getting hip-checked. Oh, hey, I'd like to see Jesus. Get out of here. He couldn't even get to see Jesus. Then another small guy who wasn't a tax collector, let him in. They let him in. Go ahead, go in. So this guy was hated by people. Hated by people. Think about this. You know, this is a rough situation. He goes and he climbs a sycamore tree. You know, the Pharisees believed that sinners like this were a class of people you weren't even able to not only eat with but associate with not even recognize as existing because their immorality might rub off on you wow what a crazy crazy thing this man was guilty of the greatest sin selling out his countrymen and taking everyone's money Stealing from them and not, no justice happening to this man. And so you can imagine what was happening when Jesus saw the wee little stingy selfish guy who'd come to people's houses so many times and made himself fat and rich off of their hard work. It doesn't even feel right. If I, if I paint the picture now with Zacchaeus, we think Zacchaeus is this nice guy. Zacchaeus most likely was not a nice guy. And so Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. 
what? Man, I got in the front row to see Jesus. And this dude, this short, little stubby boy over here, he was able to see Jesus. He's able to spend time with Jesus. You got the wrong guy. What do they say? All the people saw it. All the people saw it. You know what I mean? Hey, give the guy a break. No one said that. Hey, you know, Zacchaeus is a good guy. No one said that. They said, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Eating with someone meant that you accepted them. And you had intimate friendship with them. So when you were a guest of someone, you were essentially saying, we're, we're together. I'm with that guy. And so for Jesus to do that was so radical, so incredibly radical, that people didn't get Jesus. They called him a glutton and a, and a sinner, right? Why? Because he ate with gluttons and sinners. Who is this Jesus who's so righteous, right? that he can associate with such filth and scum like Zacchaeus. He's God. He is God. That's who he is. You know, this is what changed Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't say, hey, you're stingy. You're, You're selfish. You know, you have to give up everything you had. He said, I accept you and I love you. Isn't that crazy? Do you think Jesus was was fooled by what was going on in his life? Do you think Jesus was, was, was misinformed? Zacchaeus was able to host the Messiah Christ in his own home. First of all, that'd be pretty cool, huh? Having Jesus over to eat. What would you cook him? You know what I mean? I bet you Zacchaeus was like, Jesus is coming over. Whoa! You know, let's, let's figure this out. And he was trying to do something special for him. What should I cook Jesus? What can I cook Jesus? You know? And so Zacchaeus, this is how Zacchaeus felt the good news. What is the good news? That even when you're a scumbag sinner, Jesus loves you. And wants intimate friendship with you. Amen. That's the glory of the gospel. Most religions say change first. Get your business fixed before you go to God. Jesus says let's have dinner. And we'll fix it at dinner. That's the gospel. That's what we have guys. You know, think about you. I mean, we hear Tim. He was high coming to church. I was hungover first time I came to church. All of us have stories to tell. Maybe we were scoffers. Some of us were real. We thought we were super seekers. But your heart was dirty. You just didn't know it. You know, you tried to get to the crowd. And Jesus said, I want you. I want to spend time with you. You know, I remember... Being 18, being an impure, selfish, self-consumed college student that came to church for the first time. I was a two-timing, prideful dog, and I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't. Ask me how many times I opened my Bible that week. 
Ask me how many times I opened the Bible that year. Ask me how many times in the last three years I opened my Bible. I was Zacchaeus. I didn't even climb the sycamore tree. You know, at least he climbed it. You know? And you better believe putting those limbs up, you know what I mean, were hard. You know? They made sure you understood it was a sycamore tree. You know, those little stubby trees, you know what I mean? Stubby tree for a little guy, right? But I was called. I was even worse than Zacchaeus. I was a sinful mess. You were a sinful mess. You were a mess. See, most religions say change first and then you can have intimate friendship with Jesus or God or Allah. Do these five things first. Now, intimate friendship and acceptance doesn't mean you're saved. Because in this Bible, it was after he repented, amen, that he was saved. But make no mistake, Jesus knew who Zacchaeus would be. And that's the difference between the gospel and other religious messages. Is that God knows who you are, really. He knows who you can be, really. He knows that even you're a mess right now, through his relationship with you, he's going to change you. You're going to be changed. You know, um, I felt like Peter. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You know, I felt so convicted after the second study. So many crazy things I did. I hid the Bible when we were studying the Bible from all my friends. There's evangelist, evangelist. He's so bold. I was like, hey, what are you doing, Glenn? Just hanging out. You never just hang out, Glenn. What are you doing? And then they saw the other Bibles. I didn't think about. I should have said, hey, you guys all hide your Bibles. (laughs) But I just didn't think. This is the guy that was given grace. You know, I was... Such a mess. After the fourth study, I realized that I should never talk to sisters. I kind of made a, I was like, God, I'm just not going to even look at them or talk to them for a year, Lord. And so it got really weird in church because people want to introduce me to other brothers and sisters. And when I saw a sister, I was like, hi. What's wrong with him? You know what I mean? <laughs> Olu was like, I don't know what's wrong with him. And he'd ask me. I said, I don't think I even should be around the girls in the church. I didn't call them sisters. Let alone hug them? No. I just felt so messed up. And yet Jesus said, come eat with you. You know, what did he say back to Peter? Don't be afraid. I already took your sin. I already paid for your sin. Don't be afraid. I took your shame. Now let's go fish for men. You scaredy cat. You two-time in mess. Let's go fish for men. Let's go find some disciples. You know, and even when I repented and was baptized, I was still a mess. Amen? I was still a hot mess. Now I changed a lot. And you'd go, wow, that guy changed. And wow, that guy made Jesus Lord. But I was still a mess. Weren't we all? Aren't we still a mess? And yet Jesus says, come down immediately. I want to eat with you. Do you know who I am? I'm the tax collector. 
The stingy tax collector. I think Zacchaeus thought he had the wrong guy. He's like, wait, wait, me? Yeah, you. Come down immediately. I must have dinner at your house. I accept you and love you because I see who you are going to be. I don't accept your sin, but I accept you. Because I see you beyond your sin. See, we label each other, don't we? That guy's a smoker. That guy, he's, he's a womanizer. That guy, he's a, he all about his books. God sees greater than that. Amen? Amen. Remember that he eats with you. A sinner. Amen? Amen? Let's go to second point. Change without a command. This is so cool. Zacchaeus stood up. You know, and you can imagine this happening. He stood up and he said, look, Lord. Like, almost like, look, Dad, no hands. You know what I mean? Look, Lord, here and now, I give half I possess to the poor. What, what possessed him to do that? What command in the Bible ever says that? Then he said, I'll give four times the amount what I gave. You know, Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers has the law put forth. You were supposed to give a double portion of value to someone you steal in a, and, and not confess. So if you get caught, you have to pay double. Okay? If you confess and are openly, like I cheated people, you only have to give one-fifth of what you stole plus what you stole. So if you gave, you know, if you stole a dollar... Amen. Why would you steal a dollar? But you steal a dollar, you give a dollar twenty-five back if you, you know, confess. And this guy's saying, I've cheated people. You know, you don't just say that. If I've cheated everybody, people are like, what? Imagine Zacchaeus knocking on the door now. Oh, here comes Zacchaeus, the scumbag. What do you want, Zacchaeus? I'm here to pay you back. I cheated you. And he's crying. And I want to give you four times back what I stole from you. What are you thinking if you see that guy? I wish they kept going with the story. And then they went up to Caiaphas. And Caiaphas is like, get that dirty money out of my face. He, was un, he wasn't quite comfortable with that kind of repentance. You know, if you confess, you give one of the only reason you would give four times the amount, and this would hit me hard, was if you deliberately and violently took it from that person. And so this was the worst, if you took someone's possessions. And that's how he felt. Even though he didn't hurt anyone probably, maybe he did, he felt like this was a violent and sinful act, what he did. And that's why he said, I'm going to pay back four times. He understood that this violent act Possibly put Jesus on the cross. I don't think he understood that, but it's deep when you think about it. Our violent acts, our sin was a violent act. Every sin we commit is a violent act toward God, toward Jesus. You crucified Jesus. And we owe four times the amount of what we did. Wow. Zacchaeus taught us a lot here, hasn't he? He didn't need to be commanded. He didn't need to be told, hey, you got to pay back people. He didn't even need that. 
He just said, I'll give half of my possession. If you give half of your possession to the poor, and then you also give four times the amount, how much money do you think he had left? He probably owed people money. He just emptied his bank account, but he was fired up about it. He was like, look, Lord, look. I know my dirty scumbag, but I'm going to change it all today. Watch people's, watch people. Look, I'll give 50% to the poor. One-fourth, I mean uh, four times the amount back. What moved him? What moved him, church? Did he hear a repentance sermon? What moved him, church? Did he hear, you know, guilty? You're guilty as charged. You're going to hell. You're not going to make it. That didn't do it. You know how many people said that to him daily? The fires of hell are waiting for you, Zacchaeus. You know they were saying that. Sheol is your friend. You know what I mean? Maybe they said it under their breath. Maybe they said it out loud. But they said it. It didn't move Zacchaeus one bit. What moves Zacchaeus? Jesus, you want to be with me? You want to spend time with me? Just remember who you're eating with, church. Who this is. And Zacchaeus was blown away before he even understood the cross about who Jesus was. How much more should we? What are you going to stand up and say to the Lord? What, what are you moved to do this week? Look, Lord. Look, Lord. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do for you. Well, it's not required for you to do that. I don't care. I want to do it. Because you, you took me. You know, he says, salvation has come to this house. Because this, too, this man, too, is a son of Abraham. He called him a son of Abraham. Even though he went from an animal, amen, to a son of Abraham. Doesn't that what happens to us? We're an animal, object of wrath. And then we become a son of Abraham. He said salvation has come to this house. We don't seek salvation. It comes to us. You know, a lot of people say, well, I, I sought the Lord. No, the Lord sought you. It's amazing to think about it. You know, what are you going to do this week to say, look, Lord. Look, Lord. Look, this is what I'm going to do for special missions. Look, Lord. This is what I'm going to do for the anniversary service. Look, Lord. This is what I'm going to do to serve the poor, to help people. This is what I'm going to do, Lord. Well, you don't need to do that. That wasn't a special program. This is what I want to do, Lord, because you're eating with me. You know, we have an advantage over the small tree, climbing, stingy tax collector named Zacchaeus. Because we're able to see this side of the cross. To see the grace of Jesus more clearly. Why was Zacchaeus in the tree? He was despised. He was despised. That's why he was in that tree. Jesus would end his ministry hung on a tree and despised. Jesus called Zacchaeus down from the place of shame and into the place of honor and took Zacchaeus' place on the tree. That's intense, isn't it? 
The grace of God extended to us at the cross. It needs to blow our minds. Because we're all in that tree. You know, you're isolated in the tree. No one's up there with you. You're alone. Despised on the tree. But Jesus said, come down immediately from the tree. I must dine with you today. Not tomorrow, today. You know, this is prophetic for me when I thought about what he's done for me 22 years ago and what he does for me every day. Every day he says, come down from the tree, Glenn. I'll take your place. But make sure we dine together today. Won't you come down? Won't you stop climbing the tree? You know, sometimes we climb the tree. We've we're, got unconfessed sin in our life. And we're just climbing the tree. We want to be alone. We, we know we're out there. But Jesus says, come down from the tree. He welcomes us to do it. Let's not live in the tree anymore. Do you know what I mean by that? Let's not live in the tree anymore. Maybe you do live in the tree. Maybe you're like, man, I'm not doing enough to climb up the tree. Jesus says, come down from the tree. Do you remember coming down the tree? Coming down from the tree in excitement? You know, I remember, I just want to be baptized. I just want to give my life to Jesus. I'm excited. Look, Lord, look. Here and now, I'm going to break up with both of my girlfriends. And they're going to hate me, Lord. Here and now, I'm going to give up most of my friends at UNH. Because all they want to do is drink. Here and now, Lord, I'm going to look stupid a lot of the times. Here and now, Lord, I'm going to become an evangelist. Here and now, Lord, I'm going to look stupid when I confess my sin. Here and now, Lord, I'm going to give a lot of money that I could use for other things. Here and now, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you. Let's remember Zacchaeus. Let's remember that he was changed without a command. Let that be us. Sometimes we need that discipling, amen? Sometimes we need someone to show us the wrong we did. But most of the time, we just need to get with Jesus. And we'll be changed without a command, amen? Amen. I got so fired up, I sat down. <laughs>